We heard St. Paul give those famous words. You've probably heard before. I can do all things through him who strengthens us. Hopefully those of you who are trying to do your best to do God's will. Paul's reminding us, God's going to help you. You're not alone. God will be there with you. So we see Jesus speaking in, in parables. And one thing we know is that weddings for the Jewish people, because this parable is about what happened at a wedding banquet. Because the, the, for a poor Jew, one of the greatest things that you could do is go to a wedding. Because there you would see love, committed love, and there would be joy. There would be people gathered together, having a great time. And uh, Jewish weddings were a bit different than our weddings because sometimes they go for a week. You maybe have been to a wedding, maybe lasted 45 minutes. Well, for them, it's a very, very special occasion. To be invited was a great honor. So if you think about some other stories about weddings, where was first Jesus' first miracle at a wedding? Because why, why did we know about that story? Because they ran out of wine. Over 100 gallons were made from water. All those, all those situations are, are very symbolic in trying to teach us something. Uh, the important things we must, we must know. Remember the wise and the unwise virgins? They ran out of what? They ran out of oil while they were waiting. So you can see, waiting is very important. And, so, and for us, it's to remind us of, of the heavenly banquet where we're all supposed to go. And we see that, uh, well, we can see that the king, that would be God. He said he's, he's having a banquet for his son. So there's a groom and a bride. And uh, in, the, in the wedding ritual, sometimes it goes past people, but uh, in the wedding ritual, uh, Jesus is mentioned as the groom. And who's his bride? The church. So I sometimes remind the groom particularly, Jesus died for his church. We celebrate that. You, young man, must be prepared to die for your wife. If you're not, let's call the whole thing off. You're not ready. So it's pretty, pretty strong. Now, there's... This festive garment. See, the king comes down and he sees this guy with a wedding garment. Now remember, the, the bride and groom representing Jesus and the church. So to understand the key here. So this guy comes in there and the king, and the king asks him a question and he can't answer He's, because he has no answer. He has no excuse. Now there's two uh, Possible reasons why a guest would not have a wedding garment. And uh, the, 
the, uh, the wedding garment was usually a, uh, a scarf or a shawl of some kind that was given to every guest that comes in as a sign of unity. Colors. Now, uh, I'm sure you've probably been with brides and grooms who take a long time. What are going to be our colors? What color am I going to be wearing? What color are the bridesmaids? What about the groomsmen? Okay. Because all that is, uh, that's been handed down. But the colors are important because then as somebody comes in there, see a good ritual, you can come in there without anybody saying anything. You can say, oh, there's something special going on here. And you see people dressed in the same color. It's a sign of unity, which is very important for the church. Unity. That's really the point of the, one of the great jobs of the Pope. It's called the Petrine function. That he is supposed to maintain unity in the church. Because there are, there are many people who are sinning against unity. That's one of the things this guy was doing. Okay. Some, some of you remember, those of you who follow what happens in, over in the Vatican, a few, uh, a few years ago when Pope Benedict, now Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, uh, addressed the American bishops. And the American bishops at that time were disagreeing with each other. And when he addressed them, he said, knock it off. We want unity here. You must speak with one voice. And he has all the authority to do that because he's the Pope. He was exercising the Petrine function. Okay. Unity is very, very important. The, the, the bride and the groom also would have special colors. That would, and they would stand out. So somebody could see, oh yeah, that's the bride and groom. Okay. Because of the way that they're dressed. Okay. A, sign of, a, kind of, a sign of unity. And what's being celebrated there, celebration of love. So, this guy came in, and he, he probably either he sneaked, he sneaked in without being invited, or, and I think he did both of these, he didn't care about celebrating the wedding. He just wanted to enjoy the free food and the free drink while doing his own thing. And here's the, here's the key. He had no interest in having a relationship with the bride or the groom, symbolizing Jesus and the church and his church. That's the problem. Okay. So looking at it in contemporary times, I'm sure we all know people who uh, want all the things that the church has. Maybe they go, but they really do not have an interest in a relationship with God or the church. They pick what they want. To me, the underlying theme here is you must have a, an encounter with Jesus Christ. You must have a relationship with God. Those of us who remember our catechism it was, it's in there, but it wasn't emphasized. To know, why are we here? To know, love, and serve God in this world and to be happy with God in the next. Okay. Now, the, the church was emphasizing more now the personal relationship with Jesus, how important that is. Even more so, God must be more important than anything else. It's not family, work, 
children than God. But unfortunately, that's the most common. As one author said, once you put God first, God will help you with the rest. But just trust in God. Trust in Jesus. <clears throat> so the question comes up, is Jesus the center of your life? Do you put God first? Do you struggle every day? Strive and seek after God to know God better. Because I can tell you, the forces against that are very strong, 24-7. Let me give you an, an example. Now, the wedding guests who were invited, and they responded, oh, no, thank you. I got better things to do. Got my business. I got my farm. Okay. Who are those people? The Israelites. So the king says, okay, you're not, you aren't worthy. I'm going to invite the Gentiles. That'd be us. The rest, everybody else. Okay. So uh, I was watching a, a program on a TV, a Catholic show. And there was a priest speaking there and uh, teaching about uh, <clears throat> history of Israel, which was one of my weak points in school. So I, I said, I still need to keep learning more about Israel. Anyway, so he said something there that I thought, hold it. I must, I must, I must be wrong. So what I, I was able on my TV to go back a few seconds. And he said it again. I thought, that can't be true. I, I, I cannot. That was a jaw dropper to me. I said, I, there's got to be a mistake here. So I went in on the internet to check. Sure enough, he was right. This is what he said that I couldn't believe. I didn't want to believe it. I said, how could this be possible? He said this, that in Israel today, state of Israel, 70% of the Israelites today are atheists. First I said, no, it's got to be 17%. I can see that. But he said, no, 70%. What happened? All these figures are Jews. The chosen people. How could they turn away from God? So I wasn't satisfied. So I went to Israel. I find myself on a tour bus. And the tour director was saying, okay, uh, off the right, you'll see, you'll see uh, that's, that's where Armageddon is going to happen, an apocalypse. Okay. I went, what? Where? And he said, over here is where the swine were, you know, went into the water. Then I found myself floating on a wooden boat in Galilee. He insisted on a wooden boat. And we're singing sacred songs. So I'm thinking, I've got to ask this guy if this is true. So I, after that, we got off the boat there. I, he was off by himself. Um, this guy um, uh, uh, lives, uh, of course, he speaks Hebrew fluently. Uh, the town that he lives is a town you've probably heard of, a town called Nazareth. And uh, I remember clearly because one time he said, okay, we're going to come into, into, into Nazareth. And, and interesting about Nazareth, because he's given all this history, it's fascinating. He said, from, from, if you're flying in a plane, Nazareth looks like a little flower. He says, we're going there because he says, I, I promised my wife I'd drop off the laundry there. So he stopped there. I got to see his house. He took his laundry in. And he, 
so he incorporated that into the trip. So I, I, I saw him, uh, finally caught him alone. I said, I got to ask you something. I just, I just can't believe this. I said, is it true that in Israel, 70% of these people are atheists? He goes, yeah, that's true. And he said, notice that when I'm speaking and talking about the Jews and the, the current situation, he says, I, I address them as the secular Jews. Because you can imagine it's a very controversial subject. Yeah. So what happened? Well, the forces for us to deny Christ, to deny God, to turn away from God, are very strong. We must never, never take that for granted. We must always be aware that there is a force that is trying to keep us away from the sacraments, from coming to church, from even thinking about God. I'm sure you all experience it. I have to struggle very hard just to keep God first. So again, the question is, what, is our, what are you doing in order to keep God first? Because I tell you, it's not going to be easy. Some of you just have to talk about your family members that are, it's not important to them. That is not a wise thing. I quote a, a saint who said, without God, there is no wisdom. I want to end with a, a quote by uh, the former uh, bishop of uh, Yakima, who, uh, who I, I met. <clears throat> he then uh, was sent to Chicago and became the uh, Archbishop of Chicago and then became Cardinal. Maybe some of you have met him. His name is uh, 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 Francis George, Card Francis Cardinal George. Um, he was also the president of the American bishops. Anyway, he, uh, he has since passed, uh, God rest his soul. And, but I never forgot what he said. This is one of his quotes. He said, if you do not have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, the Catholic Church to you will just be a place that has all these rules and all these regulations. 